You're listening to Deal Talk with 7MA, providing invaluable insight into investment banking and the M&A space through honest conversations with industry thought leaders, business pioneers, and innovators. We'll pull back the curtain and give you the inside scoop on trends in our targeted industries and provide you the tools to better position your company in today's market. Welcome back to Deal Talk with 7MA. This episode features a presentation given by John Cooper, partner at Seven Mile Advisors, as part of our annual access conference and talks about the current M&A trends in the IT services market as of Q4 2021. Please note that there's a supplementary PowerPoint presentation that can be found linked in the show notes. All right. Well, I think we're going to go ahead and, and get things started here, kicked off. So first and foremost, uh, appreciate everybody attending this year's Access Conference. I know um, similar to last year, a, a little bit different and unique of, of how we're hosting and um, being able to to have this conference, but grateful for you all joining us um, for it. I hope you're you're finding some use in, in the sessions and by all means, if there's any other questions, the SML team, of course, is, is happy to address those. Um, today, we're on this session going to be chatting a little bit more about just market update around M&A. Now, um, I, I guess there's a, a good and a bad thing about it. As good as you'll you'll get a little bit of, of data behind some of the M&A activity that's been going on and specifically IT services sector. Maybe the the less enticing thing is it's just me you're stuck with. So um, I'll, I'll do my best to keep um, this interesting um, as much as we can make data interesting um, and charts and, and things like that. Um, so if there are questions or, or things, please feel free to, to lob them over in the Q&A. Um, and I'll do my best to answer those as we go along. Um, don't hesitate to throw some questions out there and make it at least a little bit interactive more than a lecture through slides, although happy to do it either way. So with that, it's a pleasure for me to be speaking with you guys today. I'm John Cooper, one of the partners here at All Advisors. Really is true to our firm. Um, I've spent uh, all my time here at 7 Mile focused in the tech-enabled services and software space. So a um, number of deals done. Um, look forward to giving you some of our perspective on how we view and see some of the landscape shaping and, and what some of the really trajectories been since the last 15, 18 months, um, which is is really pretty interesting once you think about it. Um, of course, we'll, we'll go through uh, introduction of, of 7 Mile. I, I've got to do the obligatory um, obligatory run-through of 7 Mile commercial, um, and we'll do that just so you get a little sense of that and, and specifically around what we would like to uh, share um, in terms of our activity over the last two years. And then from there, we'll also move through and, and go through general market trends, M&A commentary, and other target markets, um, and of course, Q&A along the way. So with that, certainly happy to get started. So into 7 Miles, so who we are, um, specifically focused in M&A advisory, I would say about 75-80% of the work that we do, you will see us really on the sell side. So representing generally entrepreneurial owned businesses in that lower middle market, which to us, that means something like um, somewhere in the two-ish million of EBITDA, anywhere up to the mid-teens of so 15-ish million of EBITDA or higher, and really squarely focused in that tech-enabled business services sector. So the way that we think about it is, man, digital is impacting and having a big transformative effect on many different industries. And whether it is through different verticals like healthcare, um, industrial services, consumer products, insurance, the common thread throughout all of those is that technology is disrupting it. And that's the type of space that we focus in and play in. And you heard, if you're able to join us, 
this uh, previously. Um, a good panel with Horacio and uh, Denny and Mario around the emerging markets, specifically around Latin America. A lot of activity um, that we're seeing in, in those geographies for sure, and is um, absolutely along with Eastern European geography, another big focus of, of Seven Mile and, and where we transact and, and work on our deals. Um, just by way of background, we've been around since 2008, uh, headquartered here in Charlotte, offices out in LA, Pittsburgh, West Palm, um, and of course, down in Argentina. Um, so we do advise on a global basis. We've closed over 180 deals since uh, our time together and have 30 team members here at the firm. Give you a little bit of perspective, because one of the big things we always get asked is, man, what's gone on over the last 15, 18 months? How, how are you seeing the deal environment and, and what does that look like? Um, and if we boil that down, we have closed 29 deals since October of 2020. Um, currently have another 10 under LOI. So I would expect that number gets much higher in due diligence. Um, and we've we've been hiring um, aggressively too. Um, it, it's been a great market. We're grateful for it. Um, it's been one that has continued to grow. And, and I think you'll see a lot of those similar sentiments as we start to look through some of the data in behind here. Just to give you a flavor of some of the recent deals we've done, um, worked with uh, private equity group uh, Griffin Investors to help them build what is the largest semi-privately held ServiceNow platform. So uh, through the acquisition of Metric and uh, a few additional acquisitions in there, also worked with those guys in the Azure space um, to identify um, acquisition targets to build three cloud um, to greater scale. Um, so a lot around there in the cloud space. And then Center is the second one that you'll see in there. Sold them to a, a U.S.-based product development company called Rural Sourcing, um, but that was a Wisconsin-based uh, custom product development shop doing real specialized work in cloud. Groundswell was a, a deal that we did up in Canada. Um, so a little bit of our international flavor there, just north of us. Really focused in data integration and AI and analytic. Really look at the acquisition point of view for Deloitte um, to bring in those integration skills, set that data layer up and enhance what Deloitte was doing in their Omni AI practice, which is really needing a good data layer to then perform things like AI, ML, IoT and others off of a good data set. And then highlighting the, the fourth one there is just um, the work we did in the Salesforce ecosystem for Converge One, um, help them find their first foray into the Salesforce space with an acquisition called New Age Experts. So that's just a little sample of the deals we've done. And of course, you can see some of the usual suspects in our, our processes down at the bottom there. Um, the one thing I'll highlight is you'll you'll obviously see international players there. So it's guys like Global down in Latin America, Software One over in Europe, HSO, um, who's a part of the Carlisle Group over in Europe, um, and then your, your global folks. So whether it's accounting firms like BDO, UI, KPMG, Deloitte that are getting much more aggressive in the technology sector. Um, of course, you got to watch out for those audit conflicts and independence issues, but they're much more aggressive into the M&A environment, specifically around the, the technology sector. Um, as of the last number of years now, your traditional guys like Accenture and Proficient and Brilio, um, and then a good handful of the private equity groups that are very aggressive in, in trying to deploy capital in a meaningful way into a space that's very attractive and growing. Um, and then, of course, you'll see some of our, our fantastic artwork that a lot of our, our sales and marketing team um, we're grateful for puts those things together, keeps us interesting. Okay, we'll we'll move on into a little bit of market trends here. So of course we'll start with a little bit of public company commentary, which is you know the easiest one to pull out of man, how are things trading from a stock market perspective? Um, which the IT sector, which how we categorize IT sector broadly, is going to include things like yes, software. Um, so you'll see the guys like Oracle, Salesforce, Microsoft, Adobe in that index. You'll see the digital technology services guys. 
SIs like Global and Infosys, Accenture, EPAM, some other global SIs, management consultancies, digital marketing guys, WPP, Omnicom, and the publics and, and that sort. But what is interesting here is over this time period that you'll see, you've got the enterprise software and the digital technology services buckets trading at all-time highs. Um, and, and we've got some, some data in behind this, but you really, you see enterprise software coming up into double-digit type revenue multiples. You've got digital technology services that are trading in multiples that were historically found by software companies. And we'll talk about a little bit more around what's driving some of that. Um, but a lot of interesting work going on into the public markets. And then, of course, you see a little bit of tail off over the last 30, 40 days or so just by way of market and, and what's happening there. You saw a little bit of cool off in terms of people's perspective on technology going forward, some back and forth, so a little bit of volatility. But overall, strong outperformance versus a general market. Um, here's just to give perspective on North American uh, M&A activity by all sectors. Um, so the first overarching comment here is, man, deal activity is very strong. Um, the bar all the way to the right is 21, and it's the gray piece of that is a Q4 forecast. So we're expecting a really strong Q4 to round out what will be a very strong uh, year of M&A activity, both from a deal count perspective, as well as a, a deal value. If you think about it is, man, deal values have been a little bit on the down downtrend since 2018. So 19 was a down year in terms of dollars. 2020 certainly was, but a very strong rebound into 21. Um, I think that's augmented by some of the larger deals that are getting done um, and appetite for some of the mega deals. I think we saw a lot of SPAC type activity, um, which is driving additional M&A, funding additional M&A after the public offering through those channels, um, as well as a lot of capital that's being put to work by uh, investors and private equity groups that were maybe a little bit hesitant in, in 2020 um, and certainly no slowdown from a lot of strategics as well. So here's here's probably one of the most interesting pieces of data that we pulled out here is if you look at the mix so if, if you think about the previous slide being all M&A activity, so it include other subsectors, if you look at what the mix of IT is doing into the broader scheme of, of M&A, it is really accelerated uh, up to about 20, 22% of the deals that got done in, in 2021, um, which is in basically a high going back, I would say, a long, long time. Certainly, we haven't seen a data set that counter argued that. So you know, overall, the long-term average is around 16 to 17% um, and kind of fluctuating around that. I um, mean, we clearly broke out of that in 21. So has IT a, taken a large of share in the M&A activity? Absolutely has. Absolutely has. And for a lot of good reasons. Um, it's a strong growing market. You have a lot of businesses trying to be more creative in terms of remote employees. You have a lot of businesses trying to make sure that they can remain connected with their brand and their consumer. So that consumer journey type concept of, man, somebody's not walking into my store every day. How am I going to stay connected with? How am I going to make sure I'm enabled through either commerce solutions, through either uh, mobile solutions, through either backend data or CRM and managing that consumer and how we're pushing our marketing channels out to them, um, all the way back into data, which data is becoming increasingly important, specifically as all of those commerce solutions start to gather all of that data, all that knowledge, as it always has, as it always has. There's starting to be a lot more interesting ways of portraying that data into action items, which is very interesting, which now for sure, as it relates to things like supply chain and procurement and how all of that can kind of make sure that, hey, we understand what's pulling from the e-commerce, the consumer side of things. How do we now predict that into our supply chain and make sure that we have efficient lead times on being able to provide products to our people? Here's the uh, next slide is going to talk a little bit around multiples. So not only, number one, is activity up, not only is the gain in 
terms of mix of M&A activity amongst other sectors, but the multiples have improved in terms of a revenue multiple. I stick to the revenue multiples because the EBITDAs can be, they can fluctuate just depending on the public data that's out there. And overall, if you're like, all right, well, what does that really mean? Well, most of the profiles that you see, you'll see anywhere between, let's say like mid-teens, let's say 14 to 20% EBITDA margin. That's kind of the benchmark. So if you think about kind of what that's what that's translating into an EBITDA, well, it's definitely getting into the teens. I think there's a couple of key points to point out here is one, you really start to see a breakout in the momentum of increasing these multiples starting around mid 20, 2014, 2015. That's when you really start to see some upward trajectory. And that's where a lot of that like digital transformation buzzword started coming across. That's when for sure things like digital marketing, digital agency, and, and embracing the technology of the shift of CTO to CMO was a, a big kind of crossing over in that time period. Um, and I think what's accelerated in through 2019, 2020, and 2021 is more around these concepts of infrastructure, cloud, cloud development, product development, cloud native, and security managed services, and data. Uh, all of these types of buzzwords. And what's also over that period is traditional project-based IT services firms becoming much more creative in their revenue streams, in finding ways to be predictable, generate reoccurring, if not contractually, two, three-year recurring revenue, like a SaaS or managed services company might have, but really finding ways to build out more of a reoccurring base, um, which gives better visibility into the future and ultimately is a, a function of driving up multiples. So that is, I think, an interesting piece that we've experienced from a lot of clients and, and peers that we've experienced in the market. This is an interesting chart. Is So we talked, Doug, a little bit deeper into the IT market share activity and said, all right, well, what are what's kind of changing underlying on the categories of these? And, and if you really think through what's going on here, you know, I already mentioned data. So data within that IT services is definitely gaining mix. And that's all the way from things like data integration, analytics, um, and data scientists, predictive, prescriptive analytics, all of those types of categories, buzzwords in that space, um, which then lays the foundation for AI, machine learning. So you're starting to see those deal activities start to pick up and re really start to gain in terms of the mix of, of activity in M&A. So that's, that's an interesting thing. And what I would also comment here is across from data, AI, cybersecurity, e-commerce, IoT, all of that stuff, even though there is a category called cloud tech and DevOps, cloud covers all of that. So there is huge proponent of data providers doing their data integration work, whether it's with MuleSoft or Snowflake or Altrix or any of the others that are putting data layers up into the cloud and enabling data movement. AI machine learning, absolutely. Those things are built off cloud solutions as well. Um, same thing, 3Com, cybersecurity, IoT, all that, that stuff is heavily dependent on it. So that's one comment I'd make here um, when when you think about, well, where does kind of cloud fit into this mix? And then, you know, the other interesting piece here too that we'd note is just a, a little bit of a shrink in terms of mix from the SaaS side. Um, so obviously SaaS deal is still getting done, but what things become apparent, and this is where you get to the product development guys, the cloud native guys, guys that are developing custom product solutions for their clients, tailoring them specifically to them to solve a business problem is, man, it's not as simple as just turning on a piece of SaaS and, and walking away. You know, we need a really strong custom developed solution for us to solve this business problem that's unique to us, unique to us. And, and I think that's, that's part of why you'll see in a couple slides here, the public basket of companies specifically in that digital technology services, like the 
again, Globant, EPAM, Accenture, all those guys that are focused in that kind of world that have those capabilities growing very strongly and being rewarded in the market. I'd be remiss if I didn't at least give an overview of, of the Latin American market. So I know a lot of it's been North America to date in these slides. However, you know, Horacio did a fantastic job with Danny and Mario, as I said, on the merging market landscape discussion. If, if you guys have a chance, I'd definitely recommend you listening to them, chat through it a little bit further. Great perspectives there. But we've experienced it as well. Um, we're full to have Horacio on, on our team at Seven Mile and, and really bolstering our efforts down in Argentina, which is one of the leading regions in the area. Um, Colombia being another big one, Costa Rica, Mexico, all strong places that we're seeing um, very strong talent. So exceptional talent. They're in great time zones if they're serving U.S. clients. Even if they're from Latin America, that's great, but a lot of benefits into serving the U.S. clients. And it's a short plane ride, not crazy trip to, to get up to, to the U.S. from those locations. So we've seen that for a number of different reasons being a very attractive uh, geography and seeing M&A follow that. Um, so you can see the deal count down below really starting to pick up starting in 2020 is still going strong into 21. And then you see a little bar, our Latin American experience, um, which you would have seen the uh, Danny on the last panel, uh, United Virtualities uh, was, was our client doing the Salesforce commerce work, Adobe Experience Manager based out of Mexico and Argentina. Um, we we're grateful to work with those guys. Propelix was a mobile custom development shop with near shore office in Mexico. AN Global um, worked with those guys on a buy-side mandate um, out of Mexico and really transforming their business through a series of acquisitions. The latest one being Agile Thought, who had near shore developed in Monterey um, and actually took on their name and listed publicly just a few months ago. I mean, then Bellatrix, um, that's uh, one of the great uh, success stories out of Latin America that, that we worked with and sold them to Globant. So um, certainly a, a great region, talent rich, um, one that be remiss if we didn't at least touch on. So here I'll go a little bit more into some target markets to give you some perspective on multiples of private companies and, and margins, uh, just as a historical trend to take a look at. So if you look historically, generally the comp basket is somewhere in the 40s, I'd say gross margin. We also see that trend somewhere in the, you know, this one is going to include SaaS guys. So that, that's where the average is going to come in at. So if you think about the peer services guys, it's going to be somewhere like mid 30s. That's where most of the public comps are, are at from a gross margin perspective. In the EBITDA, you'll you'll see that trend somewhere in that you know teens, high teens type space. Um, when you, again you look at the multiples, you'll see the similar thing that we experienced a few slides back from the M and A multiples. Um, so revenue multiples expanding aggressively um, and doing that since 2018 and continuing, which then carried on to strong EBITDA multiples as well. But what would certainly call out is you know yeah, of course some of the the Martech and, and other type technology SaaS type business software type businesses are driving that higher, but also digital engineering, data, cloud, product development, those guys definitely driving behind a lot of that, that momentum as well. So here's a little bit of interesting kind of call out just around the multiples over the last five years for, for some perspective on the expansion that you've seen. So anywhere from about really about like two to four times on the service guys, software has gone off the map in terms of expansion. You've really seen the growth in that. Um, and it, probably for a couple of reasons, I think, you know, number one, it's just the business model that it has. Um, and if you can prove out you've got uh, low churn, um, a scalable product um, and, and one that's uh, into 
to some enterprise type clients um, and it's scalable, it's leverageable and, and not, you know, you've got a roadmap into your IP and it's it's strong and it's offensible um, into the market and solving some of these um, unique solutions, whether it be commerce or internal employee productivity, certainly seeing a lot of activity of that, as well as in different spaces like uh, utilities and energy um, and industrials um, where, where it can provide a difference into those markets. But overall, seeing some pretty significant multiple expansion um, over the last five years into these spaces. Here's a better breakdown uh, to give you some perspective by subsector. So you'll see all the way on the, the low end, you know, is, is the VAR. So that's just, hey, the pass through, you know, less customized type services, less custom work. Um, and you'll see that down there on the low end as we start to move up into some of these other categories, you start to see the trading multiples expand dramatically um, all the way up through things like IT consulting and, and digital technology services. Again, our product development guys, engineering guys, um, as high as 6x revenue. And then you see that gap, that gap in between is going to be what separates your true services companies from your software companies. So then you start to get into digital commerce, enterprise software, cybersecurity, MarTech software, which are all really trading aggressively in terms of revenue multiples. This chart's pretty interesting. And I've said it a few times just around digital technology services. These are the specific companies that make up that basket. So that public basket talking about. And if you look within there, here are the companies that are driving those multiples. So if you look at Grid Dynamics, Globanti, Pam, and Dava, they are the big multiple guys that are driving. And the reason why, probably, I would argue the number one reason why is they're the best growing businesses right now. They're growing the strongest versus their peers. And so they're being rewarded in the market. So when we relay that to someone who's looking to sell or someone who's looking to do a liquidity event or man, what's going to drive me the most value right now? Well, right now, one of the biggest things is growth um, because it's being rewarded in the public markets. And if these guys can acquire growth and have a shop that's differentiated um, and profitable and doing all the right things, and they're able to continue to grow that business, they're going to get rewarded too. Um, and, and so that is a gold star number one, like what to shop for, man, we want revenue growth. The chart over there on the right is pretty interesting. Wanted to just give you historical M&A activity amongst this group. So you see what has happened year over year. And I think if anything, you'll see number one, Accenture is a beast, continue to do a large volume of deals, very active. But what you also see is, man, 2020 didn't really slow these guys down. It wasn't like, hey, M&A came to a halt. Um, and so when we think back to those early slides around the decline in M&A activity with in this specific subsect, I would say we experienced, and back to our slides, a lot of activity in 2020, and that's continued in 2021. In terms of the question we always get asked is, man, when does this slow down? And don't know. But from what we can see and understand is growth is going to continue in the market. There's going to be a continued need for these types of services, um, and they continue to add value. And so when you think about what that means in terms of M&A is, you know, number one, market a little bit crowded right now. A lot of buyers trying to get deals done. Um, so bandwidth pretty much tied up. Um, but I still believe there's there's a number of sellers out there that, for one reason or another, looking for a transaction and definitely think there's some pent up demand getting ready to go to market in the first half of 2022. So all that to say, still feel like we're on a good trajectory, a uh, good space in terms of uh, M&A and, and looking forward to continuing some of this momentum. We talked a lot about some of this growth already in terms of the market of what's driving the growth in terms of the deals and the growth that we're seeing. Um, and again, this is here just to memorialize it. Um, so we we can all kind of visually see, yes, digital technology services, M&A growing very exponentially.
really through that 2018 to 21 time period, really the leading subsector within that IT services space. So Outlook for the next 12 months, I think I kind of ran through a little bit of our view uh, just previously, but um, I think we did experience, and I think the market has experienced an influx of sellers because of uncertainties around tax rates and what might come at um, the change of the year and, and some uncertainties out there. I, I think there was definitely an acceleration of activity through the summer um, and into into Q3, Q4. Um, and and I, I do believe Q4 is going to be a big deal year, uh, a big deal quarter for the year. I think there's going to be a lot of activity that gets announced, if not in uh, after Thanksgiving at the start of the new year as deals wrap up by end of year. I still believe that there's going to be a strong momentum for growth in the market. And certainly entrepreneurs looking for that next step of either, man, I'd love to find the right private equity group to partner with because we've got a good position in this market um, that we'd like to take advantage of much more than we can by ourselves and um, want to find somebody strong to partner with, which for sure, there are a lot of good groups out there to do that with. Or if it's even a main strategic feels like the right path for me. It feels like we fit a good solution gap of what these buyers are trying to solve for and, and would love to be a part of that journey. So I, I think overall, there's a lot of different reasons of why at least we think there's going to be continued momentum and growth aside from just a general economic momentum that I think is still out there right now. It's still out there. Don't think there's a whole lot of, of red flags just yet. I think the taxes will have to figure that out. But in terms of IT and technology and technology services and how that is impacting the economy, it's got to continue. It's definitely going to continue. So the, the last thing that I'll just kind of end here with is just around valuation consideration. So yeah, I've touched on a few of these. So it's like, hey, all right, I'm listening. That's interesting. Cool. Seems like there's a lot of stuff out there, a lot of competition for deals. Like, oh, as a seller, how do I like raise my hand and be like, hey, I'm, I'm special or different? Aside from hiring seven mile and let us do that for you. Maybe there's there's a, a few other things to think about. So number one is scale. Scales, scale's a big deal. Um, you know, for sure the the buyer universe is looking for assets at scale. Um, and what that means in, in the lower middle market, you know, usually a, a good spot to start getting attention somewhere in that 20 to 30 million of revenue, something like unless highly specialized capability, that is where you focus, then generally, yeah, kind of see that in a 10 to 15 is, is where that starts to be scale because you're highly focused on a specialty part of the market or technology ecosystem um, or somewhere else that you're growing very rapidly with. And that's, that's a big thing. Revenue growth is the other like really, really important piece. I know I already touched on it a little bit, but revenue growth is huge. Um, as I said, it's getting rewarded in the market by the buyers. It's getting rewarded in the market through private equity lens as they look to grow and expand their holdings. And in terms of a premium multiple versus others or peers in the market, that's going to be a big, big factor of driving that because you want to have number one, the credibility of showing we've done it, but number two, the roadmap of how you're going to push it going forward and not just stop. Gross profit, gross margin. Um, that's another big one. Um, so that's like gold star number two in terms of a financial KPI to, to think about. And the reason for that is a buyer doesn't have to mess with your pricing. They don't have to mess with your bill rates. They don't have to mess with your utilization, the, how you pay your people. It's operating in the way that it should. What that means generally in the market is about 40% plus or minus for a services business. We tend to see that shift higher for the managed services guys. They, they generally get better leverage off their delivery folks. And you know, one of the other, I'd say maybe intangibles there to think about is IP, um, which is the next one of how does 
IP help to enable you to deliver a more profitable origin, um, a more accelerated timeline, and really enable your consultants and delivery employees to deliver a superior product um, at a better margin. That's IP when you think about it in a sense, as well as differentiating versus peers or competitors or anyone else out there in the market. Because oftentimes we, you know, we get the sense that services firms just discount themselves in terms of IP, and they're like, well, we don't have software, so no IP. That's necessarily the case. I mean, it's a spectrum of, yeah, you have software one end, sure, that's SaaS, and you're getting paid for it, recurring revenue. And the other side of it is going to be things like accelerators, methodologies, other types of tools and, and things that you can use. And yeah, maybe you productize some of it. Maybe you can, and maybe there's an opportunity to do it. Um, but it's, it's hard to invest into a software platform the way that it should if you are a services business. So generally, we say, hey, keep it as IP, keep it as the softer side of things. We don't need to totally productize this thing because it's going to drain all your cash flow from your services business. Um, but overall, IP is a big differentiator because ways that that gets looked at is, yes, you guys are using that across your 100, 200, 300, 400, whatever employee base. We have 10,000. Could we use that across that? That would be huge if we could enable that and get that into our processes. Um, that's a big, big thing. Um, and then the total capabilities. What that really boils down to is the right ecosystems, which the really hot technology ecosystems are going to be things like Salesforce, in the cloud, Azure, AWS, um, GCP starting to gain momentum, probably a little bit behind, but I'd expect that to really start to accelerate as we start to move forward here in the next 24 to 36 months. I, I wouldn't count them out, as well as Oracle's cloud, just because that handles the enterprise workloads a lot more efficiently and better than some of these application workloads um, that AWS and Azure are geared towards. Wouldn't be surprised if we start to see some momentum in, in the OCI, Oracle's cloud environment, um, as well as GCP. Um, Salesforce, another, as always, great solution. And that's mainly because Salesforce themselves has done well to evolve over the years. Um, they continue to to be aggressive in, in M&A, add new products, add new uh, solutions into the whole offering, um, which gets them into different attractive markets. When they added MuleSoft, you know, that malware layer, um, very strong a move there. Then getting into their most recent deal of, of the RPA business and bringing in more automation into that backend, very strong ecosystem there. And then, of course, the things um, on the internal side, whether it's uh, Workday, ServiceNow, um, all enhancing that internal productivity and workforces is, is strong spaces as well to be up from those perspectives. So with that, I'm going to take a little bit of a pause here and open up if there are any other specific questions we can be helpful with, uh, with the five or so minutes remaining on the time. So one quick question, slides available yes, uh, afterwards. We certainly can, um, through the 7-Mile team, provide access to these slides. Yes, they will be sent. Okay, now they're coming. It might be a little bit more than five minutes, but let's do it. Um, how do you think about the impact of sustained inflation on margin and pricing? Good question. Good question. Economic question. Um, so that was, uh, I think we had two bullet points in the outlook, kind of breeze by it a little bit. So do want to hit that for sure, because that's important. Actually, uh, it brings about, so I'll hit it two ways. So one, inflation on uh, the employees, uh, which is real and it's huge, the battle for talent. I'm sure a lot of business owners are experienced out in the market. I would say from that perspective, inflation, very real, um, very competitive, very hard to think through and very challenging. And that's that gets back to a little bit around culture and the culture of the businesses and, and the abilities to value and maintain it. Obviously, it's tough to do when you're remote because a little bit of that day-to-day -day and interaction and loyalty might get lost in the weeds, but that's important. And so, yeah, 
yeah, that drags on for sure, because you're having to pay more for some of these specialty capabilities, especially in things like cloud, especially in things like data. For sure, there's inflation in those markets. But what I also see on the flip side of things is bill rates are remaining stay strong. Um, and I do think that there's opportunity to push on, on some bill rates a little bit more to help offset some of that. I think there's a willingness to do that. And the reason for that, I think, is because just the impact now that digital is truly providing and, and it's visible. Whereas before, it's like, hey, here's a thousand slide digital transformation strategy. Awesome. Let's go do it. I don't know how this is actually going to impact our business. But now it's like, oh, gosh, this is what it's actually doing. Okay. Um, we can see that ROI. We can see that impact. This is real and it's not stopping and growth is continuing. I think that lends itself to a little bit favorable on, on the bill rate side, but good question. Um, aqua hires, that's another good question because there's a lot of fragmented businesses out there. And in generally, like you'll see that in the sub five million of revenue. That's kind of where we'll see some folks get creative in trying to do that. I wouldn't say it's necessarily a gigantic piece of what we're seeing, but yes, have seen it. I'll hit the other one right here because it's easy to deal structure, cash outs. Yeah, we, by rule of thumb, benchmark, we kind of say, hey, roughly somewhere around, think of 75, 80% cash at close. Of course, there's deals that get done 100% cash at close. Burnouts, think of anywhere around 24 to 36 months, just by way of framework. Uh, market size estimates for commerce implementation services, Salesforce research. I think we do have some e-commerce research on that. I don't have that off the top of my head. Uh, that's a good question and, and one that we've got in our sector watches, which we do research on all these different subsectors. Um, and I do believe that's a piece of the research that we've got in that deck. So happy to connect on that afterwards. Significant increase of wages. Boom. There you go. Absolutely. Um, we are seeing it. And, and where that's coming from is things like cloud. It's coming into uh, data is big. And here's the other thing. If you're in like tier two, tier three, you're not in New York, you're not in LA, you're not in name it. Those guys are coming inwards to find lower costs, but offer them more than than what somebody in, say, a smaller Midwest town or a smaller Southern town are able to, to offer their employees. Um, so there, there's pressure from the strategics to come in and provide those types of pressure on the lower middle market. And I think that's one to, to certainly be aware of. Um, I started a $10 million company, 50% gross margin, 20% EBITDA, looking to scale rapidly. Fantastic profitability profile. In terms of scale, the other thing I'd offer is mad growth. Make sure there's there's growth there because otherwise they'll be like, hey, you're not reinvesting back into your business uh, at the right right amount. Time horizon evaluations recede. Hard to say. Um, hard to say, but... I would imagine at least what we see, they're continuing for the next quarter at least. And I wish it would go forever. I do. But but I think we're realistic that at some point there's got to be a ceiling. But you know, I, I think we could be close, but unknown. Um, 22, valuation, M&A, premium due to a potential tax increase. That's interesting. I'd say you could probably get that argument and try and make that case if you're trying to do a deal now and be like, hey, get this closed before year end. Otherwise, we're going to have to think about structure. I think if to make that argument in 22 might be a little bit tougher, might be a little bit tougher. But I, I still think overall valuation, M&A activity from what we see going into that first half feels strong. Yeah, and a Salesforce partner. Salesforce, great ecosystem to be in. And size-wise, there's a lot of fragmented players that are kind of in that 10-ish million of revenue. And it's rare to see a lot that much larger um, because as soon as they get into that space, they're, they're required um, because it's, it's highly sought after. Um, top three criteria, investing in LATAM, 
Uh, good question. So top three criteria of companies investing into LATAM is number one, geo. And so we laid out some of the more interesting geographies, at least from what activity that we're seeing. So Mexico's great, whether it's Guadalajara or Monterrey, Medellin is great in Colombia, you've got Argentina and Costa Rica is another fantastic resource. So geography is great. Number one, that's uh, that would be the biggest one. Two is, is just being able to recruit around the right university or having the talent pool, because that's going to be number three is getting you into the right technology ecosystems. But I've been told over time, gracious for the questions. If there's anything else, please don't hesitate to ask the 7-Mile team. Anyone here happy to chat through any of these items or any other questions you might have. We're, we're grateful for you all to, to join the time today um, and look forward to, to any other follow-up questions or, or discussion items you might have. So thank you um, and have a great rest of your day. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Deal Talk with 7MA. You'll find more information and resources based on today's discussion exclusively on our website. If you're looking to dive deeper into today's topics, head to 7mileadvisors.com to speak to one of our bankers today. That's the number 7, M-I-L-E-A-D-V-I-S-O-R-S.com. 7M Securities does not make any investment recommendation for any company or security that was discussed, nor does the firm offer any tax advice. Consult your tax advisor for any tax matter that might apply to you or your business. 